0: Chapter 13 Continued We arrive at the grocery store with a short list. For eating, mochi flour for rice cakes, wasabi peas for mom, happy nut crackers for Sam, and peanut butter cups for Lily. For extra protection, five grain rice to scatter in the woods, pine nuts to burn under a full moon, and for miscellaneous, laundry detergent. Sam raises her eyebrows when she sees the protection category, but she doesn't say anything. We have to leave here in a half hour because rain's coming soon, Hominy says. Sam frowns. It's not going to rain today. The weather app says there's a zero percent chance. Hominy just pats Sam on the head. Half hour. That's fine, I say. We don't take that long. I'm about to head off to check the Green aisle when a woman with bright red curly hair runs right up to us. (gasps) You must be the granddaughters, she squeals. I'm a little worried. She's about to pinch our cheeks, but she refrains. How many beams? These are my little ones. Your grandmother is the greatest, the woman gushes to Sam and me. She cured my asthma with her plants. Sam takes a very small step back. Mm, that's cool. The woman stays to chat with Halmany for a while and when she finally flits away, a bald man tells us that Halmany made him laugh even after his divorce and then an older woman tells us that she plays cards with Halmany. It's a lot to take in, especially when I'm on a protection finding mission. Hominy introduces Sam and me to everybody she sees and they all tell us how Pretty we are, how sweet! I try to keep track of everyone, but their names slip through my mind and their faces blur together. Harmony is so popular here; everyone knows her, everybody loves her, and I have no idea who these people are. After about twenty minutes, Sam pulls me into the cereal aisle to hide. Harmony tricked us, she said. This isn't a quick grocery run; this is a whole event. She knows everyone, I say yeah which explains the nice clothes i guess sam grins how many has a lot of friends i say checking our list i guess there's no harm in waiting for how sam plops down on the floor there are so many people we don't know and they all have a story about her it's like she has a secret life i join her sitting on the tiles and leaning against the store brand frosted flakes i don't say anything but she knows i agree Our sister telepathy hasn't disappeared completely. I pick at the stitching of my jeans. Speaking of stories, I wait for Sam to roll her eyes, but she doesn't, so I continue. Hominy told me this weird one, and I'd never heard about tigers. Sam raises an eyebrow, a silent, go on, and I take a deep breath. You know how Hominy always said that stars were made of stories? Well, apparently... That's true. And the tigers used to guard them. But Hominy stole some of the stars and put them in jars or something. And now the tigers are mad. Sam frowns. That's a weird story, Lily. Hominy's crazy. She's not crazy. Don't say that. But anyway, she said, when did she tell you all this? The first night we were here, but her eyes fall on the pendant around my neck. And when did she give you that? Automatically, my hands flies to my chest, covering it as if it's something to hide. Just now, before we left, she was talking about different kinds of protection. Sam unties and then reties her shoelaces for no apparent reason. I don't know why she never talks to me about this stuff. I didn't realize that Sam wanted Almini to talk to her about stuff. For a second, I considered telling Sam everything. About how I saw a tiger that should be impossible. And how I chased that tiger. And even though I know it was dangerous. And I still can't really explain why. And then I hear a familiar voice in the next aisle. Maybe we could make muffins or cupcakes or something. Like we could use mom's recipe. Or the sticky buns she used to make. It's Ricky. When I rise to my rise to my feet and press my ear against the cereal box. Sam gives me a look that says. What's wrong with you? I don't have an answer for that. I know it's wrong to eavesdrop, but for some reason I just can't stop myself. Maybe it's because Ricky is sticky, or maybe it's just because I'm nosy. Or maybe it's because Ricky was there when I saw the tiger. I tiptoe down the aisle until I reach the end. There's a buy two get one free display of lucky charms, about a hundred stack cereal boxes, and I use it as a spy shield. I peek out around the side. Invisible, I tell myself, calling on my superpower with all my might. Ricky walks down the aisle with a man who, I'm guessing, is his dad, because he looks like a grown-up version of Ricky. Same messy brown hair, same big blue eyes. I wonder if Ricky's grandmother looked like that, too. Grandfather looked like that, too. The tiger hunter. Sam frowns in confusion, follows me to the end of the aisle. Lily? she asks, but I shush her, and she joins me in spying. "'Who's that?' she whispers. I shake my head so she'll be quiet, but she nudges me in the uh, the ribs. Sam is incapable of being invisible. "'I met him at the library,' I say as quietly as I can. Sam makes a hmm noise, a noise that says she knows something I don't know, which is annoying, but I ignore her. I'm busy eavesdropping. Connor loves that recipe.' Ricky's saying. He's looking up at his dog with a kind of desperation, but his dad's not paying attention. Did I tell you about the one time when I made it and he ate like four whole servings? No, not like four, like six actually. And then he got really sick and he threw up everywhere and Ricky be quiet. Ricky's dad massages his temples. I get the sinking glued to the ground feeling. This is an awkward family moment. I should be minding my own business. We probably shouldn't, Sam murmurs, but I keep watching. Ricky's dad pushes a cart scanning the canned goods and Ricky jogs along after him. But Dad, I'm pretty sure I told you the story. Do you remember? It was when we were at the last at the Laser Tag place and Ricky, his dad snaps so loudly that Sam and I both step back from the cereal. And Ricky looks up at him, face open and hopeful, like he can't tell his dad is upset with him. And I shot him right in the chest, with the laser only, so it's not like he could actually feel it. And then, will you just shut up? The words echo through me. I feel the horribleness of them in my chest, squeezing hard. Sam tugs at my shirt sleeve. Come on, she whispers. I look over her shoulder to see Holmany standing at the end of the aisle, basket full, waving us over. She points to her watch and mimes marching and then rain. And the grocery store has mostly cleared out by now, and she's worried about the weather. Gajah, Holmany mouths, let's go. But I can't leave now. Staying feels wrong, but leaving feels even worse. I inch closer, pressing myself against the lucky charms. I watch Ricky stop walking. Lips frozen mid-smile, but eyes wide with hurt. Slowly, his smile fades, and he stares down at his shoes. I lean forward. I don't know this kid, but I know that feeling. I want to reach out and say, I see you. I want to, only there's no more time for wanting, because suddenly, I'm falling forward. The cardboard display falls over, and then I'm on top of it, sprawled Out on the floor in front of Ricky and his dad and the rest of the grocery store, surrounded by cereal boxes. Oh, man, Sam says, backing away from me as if embarrassment is contagious. Down the aisle, Hominy hurries toward me, but but her hurrying isn't very fast, and I'm just lying there on the floor. I look up at Ricky and his dad, who looks down at me, staring in surprise. Ricky blinks. I know you. Um, I say, I try to manage a shrug that says something like, oh, hi, what a coincidence running into you here, but is probably more like, I was spying and heard your dad say shut up and now I'm lying on a mountain of cereal. Are you okay? Ricky's dad asks, looking both startled and concerned. I nod, yeah, totally fine. I was just trying to decide if I wanted cereal, but I I don't think, uh, I don't think I'm going to get it. Ricky's smile comes back, spreading slowly across his face. And it's just a, what is she even doing? Smile, but still. Sam snorts, which is rude. I stand up and clear my throat. Bye! I'm very much ready to run away now, but Hominy's finally made it there and she stops me. Hominy runs a hand over her hair, which is probably a mess, and beams at Ricky and his dad. Hello, boys! Ricky's dad clears his throat. Hello, Achi. Ai Cha. Hominy smiles at Ricky's dad and points at the cereal. You help me fix that, please. He lurches forward and props the cardboard shelf up and it falls right back over. I guess completely crushing it ruined its ability to, you know, be a shelf. Sorry, I mumble. All okay, Hominy says. We stack. So Hominy, Sam, Ricky, his dad, and I work together stacking the boxes. It's incredibly uncomfortable. I want to disappear because they don't know that I was eavesdropping. But it's obvious, right? When we're done, how many puts her hand on Dad's on the dad's shoulder? Thank you, she says. It's always good to help each other when we need it. She turns to Ricky. See, I have a struggle here. And you dad help me. Sometimes parents and grandparents need help too. Sam and I exchange a glance. Now is not the time for one of Hominy's life lessons. Turning back to his dad, Hominy says, And when Ricky has struggled, you help him. We always remember to help each other. You both good boys, and you have hard times, I know that. But when you have hard times, you come together, not apart. Okay? Hominy glows with both fierceness and kindness. It's like she's lit up from the inside, like she has stars burning inside her. And I realize she knows she must. I'm not sure how she managed to overhear their conversation, but somehow she did. Ricky and his dad both nod and the dad looks a little embarrassed. I think he knows he was wrong. Ricky looks over at me and I shrug as if I have no idea what Halmini doing. But really, I get it. I want to tell Ricky, I see you. But Halmini talking to Ricky's dad. She's telling him, I see you and I see the way you could be. Even though Hominy's fierceness has nothing to do with our tiger protection plan, I can't help thinking I was supposed to see this. This is part of her story. Chapter 13 Sam waits until we're in the car, driving back home, and then she bursts out laughing. I can't believe you fell over like that. That was so awesome. Thanks, I say with sarcasm. I learned from her. She laughs some more and I shake my head, but now that it's over, it doesn't seem quite so bad. And then Hominy, Sam continues, turning to Hominy, who's hunched over and squinting at the road ahead. She was right, it did start raining, and because of my serial disaster, we are caught in it. I feel a little bad because I know Hominy didn't want to drive in the rain, but it's okay, we're not too far from home. I can't believe you made those guys help, and then you lectured them like that. Sam says, how many nods when something wrong happened, you fix it. I can't tell if the wrong thing was me knocking over the cereal or what Ricky's dad said, or maybe both. Sam shrugs, <laughs> okay, but honestly, that man was a jerk. You were way nicer than he deserved. How many glances over at Sam then at me and her eyes are serious. When I was very little, before my mom left, she told me something important. She say, I cha, learn this. Everybody have good and bad in them, but sometimes they focus on sad, scary stories in life that they forget the good. When that happen, you don't tell them they are bad. That only make it worse. You remind them of the good. I turn her words over my head. Is that why sad stories are dangerous, Hominy? Because they make people bad? She starts to answer, but a cough steals her words, and she shudders. Maybe it's just the shadows of raindrops hitting the windshield and the fading evening light, but I notice that she looks pale. Her skin is splotchy. She shudders again, and Sam glances back and forth between Halmany and the road. Halmany, road. Halmany? Sam asks. She puts her hand on Halmany's shoulder and is about to say something when the car shudders, too. Sam grips her, her armrest. What's wrong? Halmini, are you okay? Halmini doesn't answer. She stares straight ahead, shaking her head slightly. I follow her gaze and I see the tiger. It stands right in front of us, eyes locked on Halmini's. And the weirdest thing, it's not like it's raining around the tiger. The tiger isn't getting wet, as if there's a protective bubble around it. And the rain refuses, where the rain refuses to fall. I turn to Halmini, and I can see, I can tell she sees it, too. Not yet, she mutters, her eyes straight ahead. Not ready yet. Heart racing, I stuff my hand in my pocket, feeling for the mugwort. Halmini swerves suddenly, the wheels skid through the rain, and my seatbelt slices into my shoulder. The car dives to the side of the road, and Sam screams, and I think I do, too. And we come to a stop, panting, gasping, I can't even see straight. Halmini? Sam asks again, but Halmini starts coughing uncontrollably. In the rearview mirror, Hominy's whole face puckers like a sour plum seed. Then Halmini's in motion, and we can't stop her. She opens her door, hobbles over to the side of the road, clutching her stomach, hunched. She drops to her knees, and her body shakes as she coughs. Sam and I rush out of the car, and I spin around looking for the tiger, but it's gone. Halmini throws up into the grass, and I wrap my arms around my chest this is more than a bug. I stand on the side of the road, in the rain, paralyzed as I watch her. When something wrong happens, we're supposed to fix it. But what if there's nothing we can do? When Sam turns to me, her face is moon white and her eyes are wide. What do we do? She asks, which isn't fair because she's supposed to know. Big sisters are supposed to... Big sisters are not supposed to get scared. Little sisters get scared, and then big sisters comfort them and say, It's okay. I'll be the moon. Seriously, what do we do? She repeats, as if by saying it louder, she can demand an answer from the universe. How many heaves are sound raw and heavy, and I try not to hear it. Um, we should call 911, I say, only it comes out as a question. Sam shakes her head. You don't call 911 for vomit, but she doesn't sound sure. She holds her phone in her hand, staring at it like she wants it to make a decision for her. Do something, I whisper, and Sam stares back, eyes wide, hands shaking. Mom, hominy gasps. Call your mom. Sam dials, and ten minutes later, Mom's tires screech against the road behind us. She throws her car into park behind Halmany's, and we are saved from having to save our Halmany. Mom's still in her interview clothes, still in work mode, and she shouts at us as she runs over to help Halmany up. What's going on? What are you doing out here? She's not supposed to drive. Why didn't you call me sooner? Sam, I told you to call me if anything went wrong. Only, she's not really talking to us because she's busy with Harmony. She dabs Halmini's lips with a tissue and rubs her back. She used to do that to Sam and me when we got sick. Only, we're the kids, and Hominy is her mom. So everything is upside down. Mom pulls a pill out of her purse and tries to slip it into Halminy's mouth. Hominy turns away, protesting, but Mom insists. I turn to Sam, looking for answers, but Sam doesn't see me. She's too busy staring at Hominy, chewing her thumbnail so hard I'm afraid it might bleed. I need to take Harmony to the hospital, Mom says. Sam, can you drive Lily back? Sam's frozen. She can't even answer. Mom swears. Fine, fine. I'll drop you at home first. We're close enough. All of you into the car. We're going now. Sam and I get into the back seat of Mom's car without question, and Mom lifts Hominy into the passenger side. Is Harmony okay? I ask. Mom doesn't answer, so I stare out the window. Above us, the first few stars peek out of the evening sky, and I ask them a silent question. What do I do? The stars seem to dance as we drive past, and even though they are light lifetimes away, I can almost hear them singing their stories. What do I do? I ask again, and they wink at me. Fix it.